Probability Talks AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today we're talking about transformational tools for the CFO. And we have Jay Hurt as our guest today. He's a former CFO at Federal Student Aid and currently with Grant Thornton. So we definitely go through a full discussion of a toolkit for a CFO and uh, hope you enjoy this one. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to the podcast. All right, so once again, we're in the studio with our repeat guest now, Mr. Jay Hurt. Jay, how are you doing today? I'm good, Paul. Good afternoon. Yes, welcome back. Um, so actually in the nice new studio, we are all got our table, we got all our mics, it looks nice, so I'm about to start video podcasting now. <laughs> about to dress up. Um, so Jay, why don't you uh, give us another intro yourself, just for folks that may not be familiar, and maybe just give us a little intro of the topic that you're in, wanting to talk about today. Sure. Thank you, Paul. Um, so I'm, my name's Jay Hurt. I'm a uh, managing director at Grant Thornton Public Sector. Been there for about three and a half years. Prior to that, I spent uh, 15 years in the government, uh, the last 10 of which I was the CFO of Federal Student Aid. Today, uh, I'm here to talk to about the financial management life cycle and automation that occurs within the life cycle. Uh, I think there is a... Uh, there's a, a, a good dialogue to be had about the, the right sizing the level of automation. Uh, often folks chase the, you know, the high-end, the ERP system, which will work in some cases, but often um, some of the lower code and some of the sim- more simple automation can be more effective for CFOs. Um, so we're hoping to have that dialogue today. That sounds great. Yeah, I mean, you know, automation's been around forever, but, you know, in different modes and, you know, methods, right? But it seems like RPAs. Super hot right now, artificial intelligence, all that stuff. But, you know, we'll see. Is this a panacea or is just just another tool in the toolkit, right? Right. Um, yeah, so why don't we just start off. Do you mind just giving us, how, as you see it, what is that, what is that um, life cycle for the CFO's office? Absolutely. So the, um, there, there's an acronym used in DOD space that talks of, that it actually is a very specific type of uh, process is PPBE, mm-hmm. but um, all, all agencies follow a similar life cycle. It's planning, rolls into a, um, a long-term planning, rolls into a, a medium-term programming, programming, rolls into an even more medium-term budget formulation that's mm-hmm. two to three years out, um, becomes budget, budget execution in the year of operations, and that People have referred to it as budget execution, financial operations, very similar type of terminology. Uh, That will roll into reporting. Um, It could be financial reporting, but there's other kinds of reporting, financial uh, performance reporting as well. And then there's audit remediation on the back end. Now, I oversimplify the life cycle because you'll be doing audit readiness at the beginning. You'll be doing financial reporting throughout. um, But in general, it's a life cycle. And then audit outcomes generally feed planning because you're going to revise your plans for next year based on uh, some of the findings out of, out of an audit. Right, and get your internal audits too, your A123s, all Absolutely. that kind of stuff. Absolutely. All going on. So, so, yeah, so let's talk about this a little bit. You know, maybe if you want to frame it in terms of those areas in the life cycle, you know, what some of the tools you might, you might recommend for the, for the different, different parts of the life cycle. Right, right. So there's, um, as I see it, there's a spectrum, and I, I'm going to, Throw a couple ideas out, but I, you know, folks who on the uh, on the uh, out there are going to have many other examples. 
the spectrum might be as simple as um, as RPA, as some um, some tools to help you with Excel, with basic workflow, at the most simplistic automation, all the way through the ERP that integrates all things resource planning, um, people, dollars, acquisition, all of it. Um, so that's a, there's a life cycle out there. Um, there are different tools. RPA, you mentioned, is, is a, a hot tool today. Um, I think that's towards the lower end of the spectrum because it's replicating basic manual tasks, but you've got to prescribe those tasks up front. And it's very fragile. I mean, you have to constantly tweak it and update it. I mean, if anything yep. changes on that screen, you've got to go in there and, and you know, recode that little piece. Yep. yep. So it's, it's like a nice patch or a quick way to get things done, yep. but it's not forever solution for everything. And, and you've already hit on, on yeah. some of the reasons to choose different areas on the spectrum. Uh, some of the value at the lower end of the spectrum is immediate, quicker hits, quicker wins. Um, it, it, you, get, you get immediate outcomes that you don't have to wait years for um, versus you're going to have risks that you have to handle on, on lower end. You're not going to have some of the integration between some of these steps. You might not be able to integrate your budget formulation with your reporting on the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, with some of these tools, if you keep it separate and siloed. Um, so there, there's that, that spectrum can be good and bad. Um, as long as you go in with it wi- eyes wide open, I think you're safe. Right. So do uh, you want to hit some highlights, maybe in the, the planning and budgeting world versus the operations and reporting? You know, are there some things you've seen that seem to work well? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would. So the front end, I'll give an example. Um, when you're doing uh, programming, kind of rolling into budget formulation, uh, I've seen people use tools to do prioritization. So funding, budget, and prioritization. Um, they might use, and this is where you can use, it, it, it gets into, you can use different levels of sophistication. Some folks will use statistical things where you are doing a pairwise analysis, for example, across your different objectives to, to weight the importance of outcomes, uh, and then that could turn into uh, an analysis that actually literally, one through N, prioritizes your investment opportunities. Um, I've seen – we actually employed that at Federal Student Aid, that type of um, starting point, because what you find when you do the objective analysis, there's a lot of things you, you don't include or there's a lot of subjective factors that you might want to tweak your prioritization. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are tools that do that. Um, there are tools out there that will help you uh, apply statistics and apply the uh, the prioritization algorithms so that you could do budget formulation. Hmm. Um, that's the that's probably the the siloed mid version. Um, then you could go as far as there are ERP modules that ha- that include budget formulation as right. well. Uh, and you know the, the the likes of Oracle. I think OneStream is a another example of one that's kind of in the middle on the upper end of that range um what they these erps and and middle mid-range applications might do is they try to modularize their their offerings to Mm -hmm. to make them act a little more like the the, you can pick and choose on the lower end of the spectrum you don't have the risk of integration all at once Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. makes sense so and i guess we'll get more into erp pluses and minuses later but I mean, it seems like it's impossible to have one thing that does everything you want in the the way you want it, and that's probably why all these tools exist, right? I mean, yeah, the the system of record has your data. Hopefully, it's all in there and it's accurate. <laughs> but 
you know, this particular stat, you know, analysis or this particular recon, you just can't do it within the ERP, right? I think you're right. I think why these these smaller uh, tools pop up is because people have good ideas about ways to to bring analytics, uh, bring automation to this life cycle that one ERP system won't be able to do necessarily meet all those needs. Yeah. Um, you know, another example is on the back end. You could have, um, I've seen um, tools that are used to manage NFRs, notice of findings. Sure, yeah. And, and, uh, and recommendations. Mm-hmm. And those those are, you know, again, automations to, to manage them and to, to link to the corrective action planning uh, uh, tools that, that uh, help organizations ensure that these NFRs are run to ground. Right. Um, there's a, that's a certain type of expertise that folks that have that expertise and know really how to, to handle workflow effectively, the dashboarding and metrics that really matter, um, might not be the same people who are, are, are developing your general ledger module in an ERP system. So right. I think that's why you get a lot of these tools popping up is um, not one system really has the expertise or one group has the expertise to do all the elements of a financial management lifecycle. Sure. And since you're talking about audit and internal audit, I mean, what are some of those tools, again, that you see out there that seem to work pretty well? You know, I'm, I, I'll be honest, I'm not an expert on the GRC tools, but yeah. that, it's, it's that kind of thing right. where um, I think audit, the, the ones that, that I've used or I've um, seen most effective are the ones that help with workflow. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, on the back end of an audit, um, ensuring that that the corrective action plan is is being managed appropriately and run to ground. Um, how you out, take data out of your corrective action planning process and feed it into next year's audit plan. Um, how you manage PVCs mm-hmm. uh, at FSA? We had a at one point it was over a thousand PVCs on the on the list, and it was done. We did it with Excel, <laughs> uh, which gets you know. Then you got to have someone who manages the interactions for each and every one. Yeah. When's it due? What, how's it going? Um, you automate that, and you can, one, put a lot more controls in the process to make sure things happen when you need them to happen for the audit. Right. And two, um, you, you, you become much more efficient. Rather than having people, their job is to send the email, monitor the, the due date, mm-hmm. uh, the system does it for you. Does it for you, right. Yeah, I've definitely seen that. A lot of great workflows. It could be a SharePoint. It could be all kinds of different things, yep. but you know, has your deadlines, your dates, your recipients, you know, tracks who's submitted, who's not submitted, who's due, who's overdue. You know, there's just so many things you could do way beyond an Excel spreadsheet, which is just so many areas for failure. Yep. Doing something like that. Yep. Um, you know, even, I mean, love dashboards to see where we are, you know, on all these different, you know, items, findings themselves too. I've, the- I've even seen uh, one of my favorites was it'll send, uh, you can send a tickler to, mm-hmm. The boss of the corrective action plan, do, you know, responsible party. There you go. Uh, nicely, yeah, yeah, again, but yeah. with, with the CC'd out there. And, and um, it, these things are they're small, but it, it happens, right? Every single audit, you will have times where people prioritize their response to you behind something else. Right. Uh, you want to raise that priority by CCing the boss. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, an audit, I mean, I guess for maybe more internal audits, A123, um, you know, all these tools are so useful. But, I mean, have you, I, I've definitely seen I don't know if you've seen out there people starting to use some automation of even audit testing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's huge. Just, uh, I mean, you can test entire data sets or, you know, you can just 
automate these mundane tasks, setting up sample folders, whatever. Yep. You know? So I think obviously RPA is helpful in that capacity. Um, so how about if we go back a little bit, you know, so now we've got our budgets. How about some operational things that you've seen out there? It seems like ERP is probably the central figure in a lot of day-to-day monthly operations, right? ERP is definitely the, the central figure, but I've noticed um, ERPs, uh, I've seen a lot of examples of where a spend plan is a good exa- example, where the the integration yeah. from formulation as it flows into execution, um, spend plans, uh, so many of them are done in Excel. That's a huge area for improvement huge right there. Area. Oh, and, yeah. And that's where, you know, I've seen, this is where I've seen some low-code help, where oh. people develop, um, we, we've develop things in a combination of SharePoint or mm-hmm. SharePoint and Power BI Tableau where you're you're visualizing uh, information but then you have a workflow with that visualization um, every month you know it flows from you got to break out my plan monthly before the, the fiscal year begins um, you get the workflow that you get agreement from the organization leads that are that have the line item responsibility mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can ping them on a on a regular basis. That could be monthly. Um, you know, it could be even um, could be even more often uh, if you automate it, such that um, you know you 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 said that this this major line item in your spend plan was going to be spent or obligated on this day. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We're past that month. Um, therefore, you've got a variance. Is this money I can sweep, or is it money uh, that just rolls into next period? Uh, you know, that kind of questioning can be automated because the data is right there in the spend plan. Um, but that's one where um, ERPs, I don't know if I've seen a s- significant mm-hmm. amount of that kind of workflow uh, analytics um, coming out of ERP systems. Yeah, I totally agree on that. Everywhere I've worked, that, that spend plan process is a spreadsheet or some places you have a SharePoint or something, but mm-hmm. the ERP just doesn't do it, you know. And we've seen a lot of them. Um and then how about that reporting side, whether it be your monthly or your financial statements, you know, your GTASs, what, what are you seeing out there? The, um, this is one where, where ERPs do, do lean in a little more, obviously. They, yeah. they, their, their goal is to help you produce statements. Um, where they, they need supplemental help is um, fi- uh, the, the flux analysis and sometimes the financial, um, just the, the analysis around the, uh, what's coming out. So, I have seen examples of where flux is done um, outside the system Um, or, you know, that type of financial analysis is done outside the system. So it tends to be, while financial statements are often being truly system generated or very close to it. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, Operational reports for management or flux analysis tends to be either Excel or, again, some form of of potential low code. and, and and this is where again, it, not not saying that to be critical ERP systems. It's um, low code might be the right answer, um, or at least the initial answer to get folks out of Excel. Um, a lot of times, big failure failures of these big systems often are requirements didn't get translated properly. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't either don't exist in documentation, or when they do, developers and and de- designers don't understand it enough to to be able to translate it. Um, by taking a step into low code, you, you're taking a low risk step yeah. if it fails. Um, but then you have doc, you have to document the requirements to make the low code work. 
Um, now you have a, a, a set of documentation that if you choose to take the next step down the road into a, a more sophisticated, integrated ERP, you're, you're better. You're, that you're lower risk. Yeah, I mean, ERP is also, I mean, they're meant to be general, right? I mean, it's not going to have every custom-specific weird thing your agency does in there, right? Like, right. what if you have very complicated funds or investments or things that are beyond the normal modules even available? Yep. What are you going to do? You have to have some kind of other application. And the other thing, too, is just recons, right? I mean, you're not, yep. it's almost impossible to have everything in one system. So you got to compare ledger to sub-ledger, you know, that basic thing, and you know, just Excel, I mean, again, bound to error, but if you can automate that, you know, save tons of time and improve your accuracy, right? Agreed. Agreed, Paul. So, yeah, I mean, I think it. one of my clients, we reconciled four different systems just to get one property balance or whatever. It's insane. <laughs> and there's overseas yeah. and domestic versions, and it's just, yeah. So ERP is like this utopian, wonderful ideal, but it's just, that's not reality. Right. And it's a big risk, big bang, right? If... um I have seen the you know examples of where the, the big bang it it would have been wiser to to choose a, a more slower path to to an implementation um and it uh, uh, the failures I see are almost always that that mistaken uh either requirement capture up front or the explanation of the requ- somewhere it was a requirements um issue um yep. that that tends to be the biggest reason in my opinion for failure uh, misinterpretation of the requirements somewhere in the life cycle. Oh, yeah. Well, we touched on most of the areas of the life cycle. Now, I want to go back to something you said, and it was risk, that word risk. <laughs> so, you know, what are some things that you don't want to take a risk on, some things you could take a lower risk to automate? You know, what, what are some of those, you know, danger zones to stay away and places to experiment with, you know? I think the we talked a little bit about some of the reasons for low-code helping reduce risk in the bigger um, automation. But um, I think you could pick some, um, you could probably pick off whether it be for RPA or low code or mm-hmm. some of these um, visualizations, you could pick things that have already been worked pretty well. Like yeah. that spend plan I talked about early. Um, there are examples, many examples of where there is some form of simplified automation mm-hmm. to get to a spend plan. Um same thing on the audits. I mean, what I, I, I referred to existing um, existing functionality at certain um, organizations. Yep. So some of this, I think you're, you're better off leveraging, if you're starting from Excel, you're better off leveraging something where it's been done before. Right. Um, by some, some other agency. Um, I tend to be, you know, leverage what other people have done already. Um, and when you do venture into an area where it might be new, um, you know, like that, that prioritization work, I'm not sure a lot of folks do that, mm. um, in a sophisticated manner. But when you, when you do jump into that, I think if you're doing it in a targeted, uh, stay in that swim lane, don't mm-hmm. try to use that functionality in an ERP <laughs> yeah. implementation. Don't, or, yeah. Or don't repl- you're not trying to replicate ERP either. You know, right. how many functions are you trying to have this thing do? Right, 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 right. How many things is it touching? How many things will it affect? You know, it's, right. it's all part of the analysis. So breaking down to a modular implementation is whenever possible, especially mm-hmm. if you're doing something that's new automation, then that's probably the, the wisest. So what do you think about when you say risk also? I mean, we know about low-code, no-codes here now. We're pretty comfortable with a lot of it already. You know, is there even technologies out there that maybe are just kind of unknown, so maybe risky, like machine learning or obviously uh, blockchain's, and played around with, but nobody's really 
you know, started using that mm-hmm. in federal. Although some states are using it, which is interesting. But yeah, what do you think about the technology aspect? Uh, all right, Paul. I'll, I'll uh, th- this might be risque to, to say this, but hey, go for th- it. Th- there are examples of where I think there have been examples where we've come up with solutions and then we've we've tried to find the problem to fit the solution. Hmm. Um, so when we lead with a, a technology or a solution idea, and then figure out okay, what, what is the problem we can solve with this? Um, I think it, that, that's, that tends to be risky as well. Yeah. Um, now, I know we, I, I want to be careful. We, we, we do want to know what, uh, what is possible. It's useful for, for CFOs and, and federal financial managers to know what's possible yep. so that they can take that information when they are answering the question of how do I fix X, Y, Z problem. But to lead with, I've got a solution, and now let me figure out what I could use to fix this. You know, how I can use this to fix one of my problems. Uh, you're leading with the, you know, the, the cart's leading the horse. Then yes, yeah, problem first, and then what are my options or what's out there? It's Absolutely. not like, hey, I got a machine learning tool. What can we play around with this on? You know, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, and the, the blockchain thing to me is very enticing. I'm just, you know, it seems to be hitting a lot of roadblocks. Some of them are regulatory, legal. You know, some of the Actual laws on the books make it hard to use, right? Especially with like grants, getting money out to subrecipients, things like this is interesting. But I've seen the oh, I'm trying to do another podcast on state and local using it for basically smart contracts, which is interesting. So yeah. I don't know. So I mean, I think that's almost back to where you're saying the modular. You know, make it a small scope to start with. You know, let's experiment with this thing, see if it really works. But look, don't have it touch all these other things down the line that doesn't be a risk to that. Right. But maybe, you know, a very targeted focused area, it could work well. Who knows? And, and then and then measure for your your so you're you're thinking in your head you got benefits to realize. You know exactly what you, what those are. People saving people time, mm-hmm. uh, reducing costs associated with contracts. Uh, you know, they they almost always are very similar. You're always looking for or I have specific program outcomes I want to improve. Uh, reaching more customers, um, customer being more timely with my customer response, uh, benefits being more effective for the cut, whatever. Um, know what the benefit is. Know exactly how you're going to evaluate your, your new work or your new uh, implementation, and then make sure you follow through with an, uh, a, a, a real, did you realize those benefits. Um, I think too many of us, I mean, I was, I'm guilty of this too, um, we'll jump into a, an implementation of automation without really understanding what exactly, exactly are we trying to get out of it. Well, go back to that because that's something I want you to talk about. You know, let's say RPA or whatever you're automating with, but, you know, how how would you have an agency approach that? You know, what you just brainstorm in a room, start making a list? or Because, again, this is almost like we're putting the technology before the problem. But, I mean, so you tell me how, how would you recommend – identifying feasible things to automate like that, you know? I, 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 there, RPA is a good example where they have used that uh, benefit statement very effectively, mm-hmm. I think. And, and the most effective, there's a handful of folks who were early into RPA. I, from what I can tell, they did it really well, which was get your practitioners together, yeah. uh, make sure you understand the, the specifics of the steps that they're following, um, and let them propose. Um, this is a case of where it's good to understand what, what RPA can do. This is where I was talking about earlier. Even blockchain, RPA, yep. machine learning, yep. understanding what it can do is, is useful, but 
but before you start bringing it in, then have a conversation with your process folks and where, where are the pain points? Where, where are we spending a lot of time and all you're doing is the same thing over and over and over again? Um, people running the process, they know that. So I think these groups that did it well probably brought folks together. Mm-hmm. They already knew ahead of time their goal was going to be, I'm going to save time from you doing that and redirect it into something. So they had an idea ahead of time what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, then they are also been effective at part of that discovery of finding your problem of is defining how much time does it take you. Um, yeah. Oh, each one takes you four hours. Um, great. Now I can estimate if it takes 10 minutes, I can give a good estimate of how much people time I redirected to higher value ad work. Um, great example of defining it up front before you start the implementation effort. Yeah, I think you really have to have your list of issues ready to go. And now it's like, okay, what are the way, what are the multiple ways we could try to solve this? You know, do we get it in the ERP? Do we buy a new module? Do we go out and get RPA and patch it up here? Do we experiment? What else is out there on the market? Like right. maybe this AI stuff would be good for this. I don't know. Let's see it. What does it do? You know? And this is where it's, it's uh, CFOs and, and senior leaders don't know what they don't know yeah. in some cases. So this is where, um, as a CFO, I loved having my, my staff, and it could be a GS7, raising their hand and saying, hey, you know what, I'd do this. It seems like we could do something to make. And yeah. that CFO can then take that one example and expand it to the 150 people that are working for them possibly. So love it when they hear yeah. ideas coming from bubbling up from the people who are frontline process owners. Right, because you're aware of so many other things happening, and those folks may not. They're using it for their one specific area, but you're like, oh, I, I know about 30 people that could use this idea too. Exactly. Um, yeah, I even remember, you know, in the Excel days, we're still in the Excel days, somebody would have some, oh, that's a formula. I never used that formula. That's kind of cool. Now everybody's using it. Or, you know, but this take it to the level of toolkits and whatever, right? Right. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I've done a lot of these podcasts with other agencies, and they say that, you know, their younger folks come in the door, you know, a little bit more tech savvy these days, obviously. And they'll just say, why aren't we using this application or that application? And it's free or it's open source and it's really useful. And yeah, exactly what you said. They bring it up to higher levels and they're like, oh, let's explore it. And it's a, it is a great solution. Yep. So listen to your people, right? Right, right. <laughs> right. Um, and then again, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on just CFO level folks or, you know, managers just keeping abreast of what is happening in, in the world technology wise? Like get demos or see what's out there. I mean, I think we just kind of get comfortable in our little niche, our little base of applications we're used to, but we're like, we never really hear about what's going on out there. Right, right. And I think it's important. I think it's good for CFOs to, um, and financial leaders to know these things, but um, frankly, it's more important for, for staff, um, for, for everyone in the organization, because where the connection is going to get made is I do this kind of process, um, I could repl- or I could save time. I could be more effective. I could reduce errors if I use if I employ this. Um, where the, the the CFO or the federal financial management leader or the financial management leader is going to be effective is one making time for that to happen. Mm-hmm. That, that's hard, by yeah, the way. Yeah. And then two, when when someone does approach you with an idea of either yourself or you bring your team together to how can I how can we leverage this idea elsewhere. Because that team member is going to know their thing. That's going to know what they're doing and how they could apply it. Um, they won't necessarily know the other 150 people that you got working with you. Right. 
Yeah, these decisions are hard to make. I mean, there's a money component. There's a security component. Is it an approved software? How long is that going to take to get approved? You know, what is it going to displace? Or what's, what, what, what's, what's the two or three level impacts implementing this is going to have? Or we have to train all these people and change management, right? So it's like, yeah, we want these ideas. We want to modernize, but you got to be careful. And it's like uh, you got to be disciplined in how you implement this stuff. And I'll uh... – now that I'm no longer there, I'll, I, I can I'll fess up how how uh, a, a trick I had was um, you you have a certain operations budget, and and we always complain about and it's true but constantly shrinking resources mm-hmm. and those shrinking resources the first thing you cut back is process improvement work you gotta yeah. do you know run the trains the trains yep. have to keep going period yep. so you know I've seen examples of where you might have. Um, an operations budget, and I'm just going to make up numbers, a million bucks in an operation budget, um, you're able to scrape off even a little teeny bit, 50000 um, you know, whether it's people, contract dollars or people money, either way, um, a, a amount of effort to do process improvement. The goal is you grow that process improvement to improve something else, free up more time, and keep going. I like that. I yeah. might not have been so f- upfront about the fact that it was happening. <laughs> so, so you get to you know own and manage some of that process improvement money at least in the first year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, you can demonstrate it's like a lag. You can demonstrate your savings on a lag. Meanwhile, you're reinvesting that process improvement of your operations back into your operations. Yeah, um, I like that. No, yeah, we got to be creative out there how we get this stuff done. Because like you said, that day-to-day just takes up all your time. Oh, how do you have any time or money set aside for making things better? It's kind of hard to do, but you got to do it. Um, so I think I have one more question for you. And before that, I guess in summary then, it sounds like what we're saying here, though, is you've got a universe of different tools for the right, for the right thing. You've got to prioritize. You've got to think about the risks. You know, how would you kind of sum it up for, for your life cycle, you know, how to pick the right tools? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, especially given my last comment, you know, your resources are going to be re- – all of our, all of us in the CFO community, our resources are really thin that we have to put to performance improvement. So you're – that's why that realiza- that benefit realization or that benefit statement up front is so yep. important because you might have – you know, if you're lucky enough to have five or ten ideas, you're going to want to think through, well, what's the one that's going to get me – Frankly, the, the, in the beginning of this process, going to get me the quickest, the most bang for my buck so that I could reinvest that for more. Um, so you're almost going to have your own prioritization process. So, again, you're, you're the CFO. In theory, if you, you have budget responsibility, you're prioritizing for the whole organization. Well, you're also prioritizing for your own administration, um, yeah. whether it be contract or people dollar. Um, so knowing how to manage that effectively gets you – more capacity faster to get faster up that hill of, of process improvement. There you go. Well, I do want to ask you one last question here about um, data analytics, if you don't mind. So, you know, we kind of talked about a lot of tools, honestly, just to get the work done, to get the transactions that we need to do our job. So how do we get to a world where we can spend more time on analysis? Right. You know? Well, part of that that small group of that performance improvement can, can also be uh, analysis. I mean, in theory – there's a purpose to the analysis, just like there's a purpose mm-hmm. to this automation. Um, I mean, we've done things like, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, when I was at Federal Student Aid, we, we had uh, multiple collection channels. Mm-hmm. And 
we did analysis on the cost of the collection channel um, with the idea of driving, obviously, to the most effective but low-cost collection options. Okay. Um, that allowed us to often free up a little, you know, but again, free up that money. Um, so the um, analytics – Analytics is, is almost like another performance improvement initiative, like automation. Mm. Um, you can, you're going to have a purpose to the analytics, and the analytics, you should be thinking about that purpose. You know, it's not analytics for anal- analytics' sake. It's because I'm looking for same thing, uh, diverting resources to do more, you know, to do more, or I'm looking for cost reduction, or I'm looking for better program outcomes. Same group of things that you were prioritizing the automation for, you're prioritizing for your analytics as well. Yeah, because I, I see that too a lot. You know, we do, do a lot of dashboards and like, oh, I want to make it look cool and here's a world map. Let's show all this stuff on the map. <laughs> right. Okay, but what's what do you, what problem are you trying to solve here? What do you want to know? I mean, exactly. that, that, that happens a lot too because it's just like style over substance kind of happens. But, exactly. But yeah, I mean, the most difficult question you might be an- trying to answer is just a pie graph is all you need, right? Yep. <laughs> so yep. use the right tool for the right, you know, the right work here. But uh but, yeah, Jay, this has been great. Our time's already out. I wish we had, you know, an hour or two more to go here because we talk all day. But uh, I think this is great, great ideas, great things to think about. And, uh, yeah, appreciate you coming here today. Thank you, Paul. I enjoyed it. That's our show. Thanks for tuning in. www.agacgfm.org is where you go. Or, of course, then the uh, podcatcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff. You can find us. So we've got a little backlog of podcasts we've recorded. Going to try to get them out to you. So you all can enjoy. And uh, until that next one, this is your host, Paul Marshall, signing off for Accountability Talks.